Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, May the 7th, 2022. It is currently 6.58 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, if you've been with us throughout the day with the other live broadcasts that we have done, you know that one subject keeps coming up in the introductions, and that is the temperature outside. So I know that many of you are waiting right on the edge of your seat going, what is the temperature now? What is the temperature now? Well, right now, at almost 7 p.m. Central Time on this Saturday evening, right outside the window is right behind me, right outside the window that's directly behind me, it is currently 107 degrees. 107 degrees. No, that is not exaggeration. No, that is not hyperbole. It is currently 107 degrees at basically 7 p.m. on a Saturday evening. It is absolutely crazy. On a, on May the 7th, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to know what's going to happen in, I don't know, July, August. I, I, I don't know. But that's that's currently what's going on outside. But inside, we have some important things to talk about. So in this episode, the real the real goal of this episode, sometimes I like to kind of give you what my thesis is or what, what I'm going to try to do. And this one, it's, it's very simple. I just want to point you to another podcast that I want you to go listen to. We're going to review just a few minutes of it, and then I'm going to have you go listen to the rest because I think it will be very, 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 very beneficial. But you know, I, I mean, I could, so I could make this very quick, right? I could say, hey guys, I came across this podcast today. Let's listen to a couple of minutes. Now go listen to it. I, I could do that, but I, you know, I always want to do a little bit more because I want to, I want to try to convince you of the seriousness and the significance of the subject that this particular podcast was talking about. I definitely want you to check it out, but I want you to understand why this subject is so important to you as a as someone who professes faith in Jesus Christ. If you're listening to this and you claim to be a Christian, this is so very important because whether you understand this or not, there is a truth that you need to understand, all right? I want you to listen to me. As the culture is, the church will be. As the culture is, the church will be. Now, I know you're immediately going to push back and go, absolutely not. The church is always counter to culture. We stand against it, and we, we talk a big game, but the reality is, as the culture is, the church will be. Now, it may take 15 years, it may take 20 years, it may take 25, but sooner or later, the church at large follows the culture. It follows from behind, but it follows the culture, all right? Now, that doesn't mean every single church. I'm speaking in a general sense. The church follows the culture. So as the culture is, the church will be. Okay, and we see this truth even in Scripture, right? As the city of Corinth was, the church of Corinth 
followed, right? I, 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 whenever we did, what, four years of verse by verse through 1 Corinthians, I think I said this at the beginning of every sermon. 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a church that was located in the city. The city was influencing the church more than the church was influencing the city. And that happens over and over and over and over again. Wherever the church finds itself, in whatever decade and whatever era, it may immediately stand against a change within the culture. But slowly but surely, as the culture is, the church will be. And the way this happens, listen, it happens because of the principle of invasion and insurgency. Invasion and insurgency. Now, I I spent a lot of time talking about these principles in our series on the book of Job, or not book of Job, book of Jude, I should say. Why Job? I don't know why I'm thinking the book of Job. The book of Jude, all right? The book of Jude. And I would challenge you, Download the Church One app. That's Church O-N-E, Church O-N-E. When you download the app, simply search for Theology Central. Choose us as your preferred broadcaster. It's a generic app used by many people. But once you do that, it will become the Theology Central app. And then look for series. Find the series on Jude and listen. And I go into great detail about this principle of invasion and insurgency. An invasion is that which comes from from outside seeking to come inside, moving inside to take over. Insurgency is that which is inside while causing the instability and trying to bring about change or taking over from the inside. And both concepts are are happening within Christianity. Now, typically the way this is taught is many people teach this, that the invasion that's trying to get into the church is the big, bad, ugly world. It's the liberals, it's woke ideology, critical race theory, LGBTQ, whatever we, whatever our concern is, is that's the bad people of the world who wants to invade the church and destroy the church. But that's not the way it works in reality. In reality, it works like this. Listen to me carefully. Christians live in the world. That's a fact. They live in the world. They live and breathe the things going on in the culture. No matter how much they may try to cut themselves off from it, they live in it. They work with people. They know people. They entertain it, whatever the case case may be. And listen to me. Whatever the philosophical, whatever the philosophical dominant worldview is of the culture at any given time, that begins to influence people who go to church. They become influenced by it. And guess what? The invasion occurs every time you have a church service and the doors open and the people of your church come walking in. They bring into the church all of those philosophical concepts, all of those ideologies of the world. They bring it into the church. And here's the thing. This is why this type of invasion is more insidious and more deceitful because Christians bringing it in, they, they will, they may not even realize that they're being influenced by this wrong ideology or wrong culture or what's even worse. They take some of the philosophical ideas of culture, try to somehow merge it with their Christianity and then their minds, it's still Christianity, but what they're doing, they've invaded Christianity and they're redefining what Christianity is. And it this happens 
by the invasion of the world's culture or the world's uh, philosophy or the world's ideology by Christians bringing it into the church. So that's how the invasion occurs. Christians bring in the philosophies and the ideologies of the culture inside the church. Now they are inside the church. They're there. They may become the Sunday school teachers, the pastors, the deacons, the elders. Now you have the insurgency. They are in place, and then they begin to slowly but surely redefine what Christianity is or what Christianity isn't. And slowly but surely, biblical Christianity gets, well, written off the page because the invasion occurs. Christians brought the culture into the church and then they are in place in the church and then they begin to impact and bring about change. This is a never-ending problem within the, the history of Christianity. It happens over and over and over and over and over and over again. You just have to realize the people of your church, you, me, we spend so many hours a day and each week being influenced by everything other than the Word of God. The average Christian spends far more time looking at Facebook, TikTok, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+. Plus. I don't care if it's the Hallmark Channel. They, they spend all of their time talking to friends, doing this, doing that. Far more time doing that than listening to sermons, reading theology, or memorizing scripture, or reading or studying the Bible. And where they spend that time is what they're going to be influenced by. Then they bring it into the church. They're emplaced in the church. And that's how the insurgency begins. And that's how Christianity begins to constantly be redefined into something that it isn't. Now, this is important. We started talking about this, as I said earlier, not the book of Job, the book of Jude. And we see this in Jude verse 3. And I'm going to be reading this from the Christian Standard Bible just because it's the one that's sitting here right next to me. I've got my, my King James I typically use right here, but I've already, we've already looked at this in the King James verse by verse because that's what I use in all my preaching and teaching. But just because this is the Bible that I currently have here, I'm going to read from this, all right? All right, here's Jude verse 3, all right? Listen carefully. Dear friends, although I was eager to write unto you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints once for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only master and Lord. Now, I like the idea. They have come in by stealth. They've crept in unawares. Now, the reason they were able to come in by stealth, the way they were able to come in, crept in unawares is because, well, they just look like the normal Christian. They're just the normal person of the church, but they're bringing in some insidious, wrong, horrible way of thinking, some wrong doctrine, some wrong theology, but they're, they're part of the church. They just come walking in and you don't even realize. And now they're inside. Now the danger is inside the church, not outside. See, the, the church, we always run to the windows, right? Here's what we do. Everybody's like, okay, run to the windows. Look out there. You see out there? You see all that bad stuff? It's out there. You see LGBTQ, maybe the point to transgenderism, maybe you'll... Uh, to wokeness or, or whatever, whatever the danger that your church is warning you about. See, it's out there and everybody's looking out the window going, Ooh, 
you're right. That's really bad stuff. We got to keep that out. What you don't realize is all the people sitting there looking out the window with you, they're the ones who bring it in. So guess where the problem is? It's inside the church because the wrong way of thinking is inside us because we're more influenced by the culture than we want to admit. Then the insurgency begins. Now, so this is the principle. Now, go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Now, this is being written to another church. Jude is writing to believers. Now, and and Colossians is written to the church at Colossae. And look at what we read, Colossians 2.8. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on based on human tradition based on the elements of the world rather than Christ be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy no one takes you captive through philosophy you've got to be on the lookout now again this is going to happen in the culture and it's so subtle the cult, listen the culture think of it this way we breathe in culture naturally because it, it already appeals to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It already appeals to that. But we, we live in that atmosphere. We live, we breathe in that air because we don't live in monasteries. We don't live on compounds. We live in the world. So the world's, whatever the world's, think of it this way, the philosophy the world adopts, it's the, the philosophy that just kind of, takes over the culture, that becomes the air the Christian breathes. We breathe it and not even sometimes realizing, because in many cases we're not taking every thought captive, we bring it in and it just becomes a part of the way we think. And we try to merge it with our Christianity and creating some weird mutated hybrid, okay? But then we bring it into the church, then the insurgency begins, we got to be careful of the philosophy that we're breathing in. You say, well, I don't care about philosophy. You're breathing it in. I don't want to study philosophy. You're breathing it in. I don't care what the world thinks. You're breathing it in. I'm not influenced by the world. You're breathing it in. Think of it as secondhand smoke. You're breathing it in, and it's going to bring about cancer. It's there. So you've got to know, you've got to be able to recognize it. You've got to be able to understand it so that you can take every thought captive. You have to be able to take every thought captive. This is absolutely critical uh, as a Christian. You've got to take every thought captive. I want us, I want us to just, we'll, we'll add that scripture to it. I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's add this one to the scriptures we've looked at. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going from memory here, so if I'm wrong, I'll look really foolish, but I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 2. No, that is not it. Okay, give me one second. I'm going to find it. Maybe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. That makes more sense. 2 Corinthians 10. Yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, let's see here. 
Yes. All right. Well, we'll go to verse four. All right. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse four. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the dem- demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. Please note, we take every thought captive. As a Christian, you've got to know what the, 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 the dominant thinking is within the culture. Or let me say it this way. You've got to know what the dominant philosophy is of the culture. You need to know it. You need to be able to identify it so that you can take every thought captive so that you are not then deceived by it or that you somehow just breathe it in, not even paying any attention, and then you begin to just allow that to shape the way you think. You begin to merge it with your Christianity and then you bring it into the church and then you begin to rewrite Christianity. That keeps happening over and over. It happens throughout church history, right? So the book of Jude, the book of Colossians, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Those are three key scriptures on this Saturday evening. Now, I say all of this because, let me see what time it was, at about 9 a.m., about 9 a.m. this morning, I grab my iPad and I listen to, I mean, you don't even know how many podcasts I listen to, but I go through and and I see the podcast Stuff You Should Know. Stuff You Should Know. It's a podcast you should subscribe to in whichever podcast app you use. Stuff You Should Know. You need whichever podcast app, you should be able to find it. If you can't find it, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, and I'll try to find a way to get it on the podcast app that you supposedly cannot find it on, all right? Stuff You Should Know. And I went back, and I think it's a, an, an episode in April because I was behind in listening, and I looked down, I'm like, oh, wow, they have an episode on postmodernism. Oh, that, that's interesting. Postmodernism. Postmodernism is a, a philosophy that has dominated our culture for a very long time. And no matter whether Christians like it or not, you've been breathing in postmodernism. You, it's just like secondhand smoke. You've been breathing it in and then you've carried it into your churches. And guess what? Then you've merged it with your Christianity, creating a, a mutated hybrid that really tries to replace biblical Christianity with this new Christianity that is more influenced by postmodernism than it is the Bible. And this is just the way it works. Okay. And we see it all over the place. But the only way to stop this is Christians have to be able to identify postmodernism. They have to know what it is. But you tell Christians that, like, I don't care. I don't care about philosophy. I just don't care. Well, well, then you don't care. You can't identify it when you hear it. You can't identify when you see it. And postmodernism has dominated everything from literature to art to movies. It's everywhere. So you have to be able to take every, you got to identify it so you can take every thought captive. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up the podcast, Stuff You Should Know, and I want you to listen to their episode on postmodernism. 
I'm going to give us a little bit of a preview here. We're going to analyze maybe a first, maybe first four or five minutes, maybe six minutes of it, seven minutes of it. There's just, just one key place I want to get to. And then once I get to that, I'm going to make a big deal about it. And probably there I'll stop and say, go find this podcast and listen to it. But it is critical based on, well, how I talked about this invasion insurgency principle, okay, which we talked about in our study of Jude. Okay, so are you ready? Let's go to this episode of Stuff You Should Know. It's a podcast you should definitely subscribe to. And here is their discussion on postmodernism. Now, what I like about this is they're not definitely, they're not coming at this from a theological or even a biblical perspective. They're coming at it more just from a philosophical societal perspective. So I think it's very interesting that they acknowledge some things about postmodernism that many in the church has been warning about forever. All right, here we go. Let's listen. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's here too. And this is Stuff You Should Know, Postmodernism Edition. (laughs) I'm strapping on my ice skates. I know. Chuck, I was thinking about it. This may very well be the most difficult topic we've ever tackled. Is this hard for you too? Oh, yeah. It's hard for everybody. It's hard for everyone. Oh, good. Yeah. No, it's very (laughs) difficult. It's really hard to define. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to mischaracterize things as postmodern and and, um, lump stuff in, even though it is technically that. And worst of all, it's really easy for people to be snobby to other people about what is or isn't postmodernism. So it's going to be it's going to be rough. I think that's why I'm a little not nervous because who really cares, right? It's just a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, uh, just uh, unnerved because philosophical movements, art art movements uh, that have fuzzy boundaries. uh, Mm -hmm. It's tough for me. Always has been. I deal a little bit more in the concrete. Now, I got to stop right here. I think this brings up a very interesting point. I think a lot of Christians just because of, say, Colossians 2.8, they have this attitude. I mean, let me read Colossians 2.8 again. And for some reason, they, 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 they read Colossians 2.8 in one way and ignore 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I think the two have to go together. 2 Corinthians tells us what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be taking every thought captive, right? We've got to be think, th- th- taking everything captive so that we are not influenced by it. But Colossians 2.8, again, reads like this. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy. So what a lot of a lot of Christians, and I, I've heard them make a reference to Colossians 2.8, and it goes something like this. Well, philosophy is bad, so there's no need to study it. I don't need to understand it because it's just bad. I'll just study my Bible. Well, don't you sound so spiritual? Don't you sound just so godly? You're so much better than everyone else. But here's the thing. If you don't study philosophy, at least to some level, so that you can identify philosophical systems, philosophical ideas, listen, think of it this way. Ignorance of philosophy does not negate its influence upon you, right? Christians have this thing, well, philosophy is bad. I just need Jesus. Okay, well, that sounds so good. You sound, it's so, 
It's so pious. It's so self-righteous that at times it just irritates me because you, you're what you're acting like. Well, I'll just have Jesus. I'll study the Bible. And then none of these philosophies are going to have any impact on me. Are you, what are you smoking? You live within the culture. You're breathing it in. Again, it's secondhand smoke. So you'll hear Christians start talking sometimes. They're the ones who don't study philosophy. And just listen to them talk and you'll be like, you do realize that for this particular, that's a postmodern way of thinking. That's a postmodern philosophy. You've got a little bit of postmodern. No, I just thought Jesus. Because you don't realize it. That's why you've got to at least know what the dominant system is so that you can identify and then you can obey 2 Corinthians, taking every thought captive. You can't take philosophical thought captive if you don't even realize what it is. So then it just comes into you and then you mix it with your Christianity. It's almost like this, I don't need to know anything. And, I, and, and, and I'm, ignorance is somehow the answer. Ignorance is never the answer because ignorance does not negate the, the influence of the thing you're ignorant about. It's just you don't realize that you're being influenced by it because you don't know what it is. You, you can't recognize it. You can't see it. You can't identify it. You, you can be ignorant of the dangers of secondhand smoke. Doesn't mean it won't impact you, Right. You can be ignorant of the dangers of, of uh, asbestos. You, you, there's lots of things you could you could be ignorant of the dangers of smoking. Just because your your ignorance does not negate its negative influence upon you. I, it, it's a weird Christian idea. I'm going to just be ignorant of it and I'll be immune to it. It doesn't work that way. But I think the problem is some some Christians. They, they, they see Colossians and are like, see, I don't have to worry about philosophy. But I agree. When you get into philosophical systems, it can get fuzzy. It can be hard to define. It can be difficult. It can be complex. Listen, you don't need to know every little inner working of it. You don't need to know every little detail of it. You just need to know the basic ideas so that when you are confronted or, in, or, or around it, you can identify it. That's it. And that you can take the thought captive and say, that's not a part of Christianity. All right. I'm sorry that pencils are rolling across the table, but there you go. All right. So let, let's continue. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting, you know, especially when, you know, you look at some more, I don't know about cynical, but just sort of straightforward definitions of like what is postmodern art and most people will say like, well, it's art that happened between 1955 and 1970 and right now. Wrong. Well, it's not wrong. It's an era. Like that's where it gets slippery. Uh, right. Because art is defined by eras. And uh, even though people did things in the different eras that thematically and stylistically apply more to other eras, mm -hmm. uh, like would you call The Godfather a postmodern film? No, but it was made in the postmodern film era. Precisely. So uh, the differentiation here then is that <sighs> it, it begins. <laughs> the differentiation here is the postmodernism that we're talking about is not just art. It's not just film. It's not just architecture. It's not even just philosophy. We're talking about an entire worldview that all of us collectively share. Most of us, I should say, I think, you know, the West, you could say, if you want to call it that shares this this culture, postmodernist culture. Post-World War II, generally. 
yeah, some people put it at the 70s. Some people put it at the 60s. Other, uh, other people even go as late as like basically 1979, 1980. But it's not just an art movement. It's not just a type of film. It's not just a type of literature. It's it's a, it's a way of looking at the world that in turn shapes how we create or exist or live in or deal yeah. with the world. And Very important. Postmodernism becomes the dominant philosophical system of a culture, and it's the way we see the world. It's the way we understand things. It's the way so much of our, th- our, our all of our thinking will... Under- will flow from it. Well, when that, look, whether, no, you can stand against postmodernism all day, but guess what? The people in your church live within a culture that's dominated by postmodernism. They breathe it in and they're influenced by it. They start merging some of these ideas with Christianity, which then becomes some mutated hybrid. And guess where they, they come walking in and they're sitting in your pew. They become the deacons, the elders, the Sunday school teachers, and the pastors who are influenced by that culture. And many people won't even realize when they hear, hear it because they don't know enough about what it is because the church seems to think that we don't ever even stu- need to study anything related to philosophy because it's, we just, we just don't need that because we're Christians. Yeah. And now you're all influenced by it and nobody even realizes it but see it becomes the dominant way in which people think we do it together it's culture but the reason it's so fuzzy chuck compared to other things is because it's it may still be going on right now and if Mm. it isn't still going on right now it ended so recently that we're still so wrapped up in the turbulent effects of it that it's hard to see which way's up, down, sideways. So it's really difficult to nail down. But it's really fun to try, I've found. And it's the kind of thing where, like, they probably won't put a a, a year marker until 30 years from now yeah. on what post postmodernism is, which we'll get to. Yeah, totally. And, and even then, it take you know, it, it's not a, a cut-and-dried thing because of, of – change like this happens over the course of a decade or two. Yeah. Okay, this is very important. First, trying to identify and trying to define it is very difficult. Trying to identify when it starts and when it ends is extremely difficult because changes happen over a long period of time. So that means right now, as I'm speaking to you on this May the 7th, 2022, we still may be within postmodernism or we may be in a period of transition where we're transitioning out of postmodernism. So what is going to be the post-postmodernism philosophy that is being developed right now that we may be transitioning into? We need to figure out what that is as the church Not tomorrow. We need to figure that out, you know, 15 hours ago. And we need to be able to say, hey, guys, this is becoming the dominant philosophy. Be on the lookout. Pay attention because this is going to be the dominant. This is going to influence the way society thinks. And that will ultimately remember as the culture is. The church will be. We've got to figure out what's going to dominate the way the culture thinks. Because it won't be long, it'll be coming into the church through the very front door, and that's your church members bringing it in because they live within that culture and breathe it in, as we've already, I've clearly tried to uh, make that as clear as I can by repeating myself multiple times to get that point across. So it's, this is very important right now. Now, they're hinting at it. 
But they're going to, to, and they'll say this in a minute, and this is really what I want to get to here. And again, I want you to go find this podcast and listen to all of it. I'll give you all the information at the end. Right now, I just want to introduce you to it because I want you to go listen for yourself because you need to know as much about postmodernism as possible. But here's what we need to do. We've got to be on the lookout because I think we're about to enter into a post, post-modern era. And what's that new philosophy? Because we need to know about it now, because you're going to be influenced, your children's going to be influenced, your grandchildren are going to be influenced, and that will influence the church, maybe not today, but the church 15 years from now. Someone needs to be preparing the church 15 years from now, and we got to start preparing them today by identifying this philosophical system, whatever it may be, saying here's the key elements of it, here is how it does not correspond to a biblical worldview, you've got to take every thought captive, and you're going to be influenced by it in some way, shape, or form. That's why this is so important, but let's continue. Or or more, even, for sure. And I I would posit that we're in those decades of change right now. We're in a transition period between postmodernism and what's next. I And I think that's one reason why everything is just so uncomfortable right now. I want you to hear that. We're, we're, we're in a time of transition right now. We're leaving postmodernism. Postmodernism is, is going to become the philosophy of the past. We are in turbulent times because a philosophical ch- shift, a philosophical change is happening in the world right now that you're living in. A philosophical change is happening, and we've got to see what is going to be this new philosophical system that emerges. Whatever it is, it will enter the church, it, and it will enter the church through church members who live within that culture and breathe it in like secondhand smoke. And it will infiltrate the church and begin to be merged with Christianity. And whenever that happens, that seeks to rewrite Christianity and redefine what it is. That's why you have to go back and contend for the faith once delivered. Again, all of this goes right back to our introduction to our study in Jude. That's why you should go back and listen to that series, because it's very, 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 very important. Right, so they are making an argument that we're in a time of transition right now. Something, something. That's why everything seems so crazy. Everything's so turbulent right now because we're going through a philosophical shift. Does the average Christian even know this? Are people in the church being warned about this? Are Christians even talking about this? No, we won't talk about it for 10. It'll be 10 years. Then we'll write all the books. Then we'll have all the conferences. Uh, just just like everyone ignored when postmodernism was, was emerging, the most part the church ignored it until it became in vogue to write a book about it or do a podcast about it or preach a sermon about it. It took like, it was 10 years too late, 15 years too late. Now I'm not... I'm saying in general, there's always exceptions, but you you see what I'm trying to put forth here. All right, let's continue. In addition to a pandemic being dropped on top of us <laughs> at a really uncomfortable time. And I would also say, after reading a lot about this stuff, uh, I think art, visual art, like let's just say painting. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot more to it than that, but as opposed to literature and film, mm-hmm. I think the boundaries there are a little more rigid than in other in things like literature and film, yeah. where they draw demarcation lines between pre-modern, modern, and post-modern eras mm-hmm. a little more succinctly. Uh, like, technically, anything made these days would be considered post-modern art. Uh, 
just by the virtue of the fact that it's now, whereas you would not say a film is necessarily. Right, right, right. Um, Ugh, so, I quit. No, you did great. We're doing great. Just hang in there, man. Just just double up the strength of your fingernails and claw in further, okay? Cause I we just feel the this. emails being typed. <laughs> it's fine. You know what? We could go super postmodern and just totally ignore them like they don't exist. Because what is really an email? You know what I mean? Yeah, or we could – a really postmodern email reply would be, you know, I read your email and here's what I think and just stop at T-H-I-N. Yeah, that's – be great. That would be great. So um, we're we're this is going to be fun. We're talking about postmodernism, and just, this is one of those things where we have to define it from the outset. Which is the the problem with postmodernism is figuring out how to define it. And before we go any further, I, every hat I own right now, I'm taking off for Dave Roos, who helped us put this together. He did a great job. He did a wonderful job. Like it was not fair to throw this at him. <laughs> no, I, want, I was really interested to see what he would do, and he did. He really rose to the occasion. I, I, like he I did agree. a great job. Smashing so, job. He he kind of started with uh, this um, anecdote about uh, a a student of an art professor who asked his class, like, you know, what is is postmodernism? How do you define it? And um, the student said basically something that the professor later ripped off, which is um, it's where you put quotations around everything. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels cynical in a way. Yes. A hundred percent. Doesn't it? A million percent. Like the age of cynicism. Remember the sarcasm of the 90s? Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, that went away. <laughs> the, right. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. just did it. So um, <laughs> all of that, all of that is a hundred percent the fabric, the cultural fabric of, of postmodernism. It's, it's, as we'll see, a tearing down, not just institutions and authorities and all that stuff, but other people it, just doing it as like just the most casual thing in the world, just tearing down. That is the cultural basis of postmodernism. Yeah, like if someone were to talk about Andy Warhol's soup cans, they can say, well, that's his truth in reality, but you would put that in quotes. Right. With your hands at a party. You put truth in quotes, you put reality in quotes, yeah. and that's what that student was saying. You put everything in quotes because the the philosophical basis of postmodernism is that there is no such thing as universal truth. There's no such thing as reality. Like your you reality soup cans in quotes. You could. You, you could know? even if you wanted to be a total jerk, you could do soup in quotes and cans in quotes. And Andy Warhol in quotes. Right. So and Andy Warhol would love it. He would oh, roll over in his grave, but it'd be like a dance move more than something out of agony. You yeah. Know? So so um that's kind of what the what the student was saying. You put everything in quotes because nothing is there is no universal truth. And mm-hmm. that is where postmodernism broke from its immediate predecessor, which is modernism, which now, there you go. I'm going to stop right there, and I want you to go listen to the rest of it for yourself because that was my major goal here is just to point you to it. But postmodernism was the everything is in quotes because what is real? What is reality? Is there even reality? What is truth? There is no absolute truth. Everything is in quotes because there is no absolutes. And this, this calling everything into question, call, tearing people down, because, I mean, what is a person? Why do they? Why should they be respected? Well, who cares? It, it, there's this, so much of this attitude, this throwing out any authority, 
There is no authority. Truth is whatever I want it to be. If you have not seen the influence of this within Christianity, you have not been paying attention. Christianity has tried to fight against it, obviously. But remember, this always uh, this this comes into the church through the people bringing it in because they have not taken every thought captive. But I want you to just understand something. I think we're 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 no. Some would argue we're no longer even in the postmodern era. We're in. We're transitioning into a new era. We're already into some new era. We just don't know how to define what the new era is. We haven't been able to define what the new philosophical system is. But we've moved out of postmodernism. We're into something else, and what that is, we won't know for a long time. But we've got to be looking out for it. We've got to be able to identify it because it will become the major threat to the church. As the culture is, the church will be. Uh, there's a lot more I could say about postmodernism, but I want you to go hear what they have to say. Again, the name of the podcast is Stuff You Should Know. Stuff You Should Know. Stuff You Should Know. That's what it's called. Stuff You Should Know podcast. It's from iHeartRadio. You can obviously get it on their app. You can also get us on that app, iHeartRadio. But anywhere, you, I'm looking at it on Pocket Cast. Uh, someone else, I think uh, I think it's available on Google Podcast. It's on Apple Podcast. It's on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Stuff You Should Know. If you cannot find it anywhere, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and I will send you a link. Um, and it should work wherever you, however you want to listen. It's free. Nobody's charging you money. But I want you to hear the rest of what they have to say. We only made it eight minutes and 29 seconds into it. There's another 50 minutes of discussion about postmodernism. Just learn everything you can about it and just consider how it's influenced Christianity, how it's probably even influenced you and you didn't even realize it. All right. I'm going to stop right there. Hopefully. That was helpful. All right. I'm just looking at something that's really irritating me right now. I got an email while this was going on about uh, because of this conference I'd signed up for. And uh, the conference is coming up in somewhere in May. Um, but in the meantime, uh, well, they sent me an email because, oh, I can learn something, but it's going to cost me a month, a monthly fee. It's going to cost me a monthly fee, I guess. I don't know. I got to I got to look at yeah, this stuff just, man. Christianity constantly selling the teaching of God's word. I'm telling you, I'm never going to get over it. I'm just never going to get over it. I know how much it costs to produce audio files. I know it, like, I talked about this earlier today, and so I don't want to go, you know, go on a full-blown ramp, but it's just literally I'm sitting here I'm doing, doing a live broadcast free of charge, right? What? There'll be hour number three of teaching today, right? Tomorrow, we'll do a, a minimum of three hours of teaching tomorrow. I mean, it's like hour after hour of teaching almost daily, and we do it for free. And constantly, I'm getting emails from ministries going, oh, we, we've got this great teaching. Oh, it will cost you this much money and this much money. And then you look at the teaching, and it's an audio file. And you're like, really? I, I got to pay you $14 a month to have access to seven audio files on the book of Psalms? I mean, really? Really? Ah, <laughs> it drives me. Oh, it drives me so, it just, oh. It drives me, it drives me insane. All right. All right, we'll stop right there.
Okay. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. Go listen to this podcast. Again, it is called Stuff You Should Know. It's like the April, the end of April episode on postmodernism. You should be able to find it. Go listen to all of it. And if you have any thoughts or something, just, and if you have any thoughts about what the new philosophy is, what, what do you think the new philosophy is? That that's We live in a post, postmodern world. What is this new post, postmodern philosophy that's, that we're currently in the transition of? Is it too early to define it as of yet? But I think it's happening, right? And that's what, something the church needs to start looking at immediately. All right, I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.